This is Larry Camp, and welcome to the Nobody Knows Your Story podcast, which just happens to come with a side of Hawaiiana. Nobody Knows Your Story is a podcast which I believe will impact each listener in a positive way. As you listen to the experiences that have transformed, shaped, and guided each guest, perhaps you'll better understand your own personal journey. Some will surprise, some will make you question, and some will inspire, but all will leave you in a better place for listening in. As for the Hawaiiana, well, that's just a big part of my life story. So I invite you to check in each week and listen to the life experiences of people just like you. instrumental piece you just heard is Body Surf by Pure Heart. Well, I've titled this episode Podcast Update for a reason. I've decided to issue a new podcast episode every two weeks, starting next week, October 21st, where we're going to hear the life story of Chuck Hagen. Let me pose this question. When a country like Guatemala has a helicopter in need of repair, where do you suppose they find the helicopter mechanic? Yeah, that would be Chuck. Interesting story for sure. So in this abbreviated edition, I thought I would share a few memories from my boxing career. Let me explain. In 1986, I was living in Las Vegas, Nevada. On June 14th, Judy and I went and saw Eddie Murphy perform, and I noticed something that made me go, huh. I looked at the security slash ushers, and they were watching the same show, and they were laughing, and they were getting paid. I mentioned this to Judy, and I told her I was going to go up and talk to one of these guys after the show, which I did. The security guy told me he was with Finco, and they provided security for these events and for the fights as well. The next day, I went to their office and filled out the paperwork to become part of the Finco security team, but I told them I was really only interested in working the fights. What a great time to come on board. The heavyweight boxing world had some great fighters, and Mike Tyson was about to get his shot. On September 6, 1986, I saw Mike Tyson defeat Alfonso Ratliff to improve to 27-0. A couple of interesting things about this fight. There's always an undercard. And that night, Mike was to fight on the undercard just before Michael Spinks fought someone I honestly can't remember. I think there was a fight before Mike's too, but my memory is not too good and I didn't even mention it in my journal. We would have to get to these fights like an hour before they even opened the doors. This was my first fight and it happened to be at the Las Vegas Hilton. When I was standing there, before the fans came in, 
and a couple hours prior to his fight, 20-year-old Mike Tyson came up and asked how I and my coworker were doing. I just remembered how high-pitched his voice was. Just a little over two months later, on November 22nd, Mike, at 20 years, four months, became the youngest heavyweight champ in history when he knocked out Trevor Burbick in the second round, also at the Las Vegas Hilton. Over time, I was able to help my brother Ron and my good friend Jim Lowe get on as well. Having those guys working there made it just that much more fun. We moved away from Las Vegas to Southern California in 1987, but I continued to work the fights. Even after moving to Arizona, I worked the fights through 1995. We were told not to ask for autographs, touch anyone, but just do our jobs and provide security. Occasionally, someone famous might initiate a handshake or a conversation, and that was fine. I had several good experiences chatting with famous or semi-famous folks at these fights. Some of the nicer people, Eddie Murphy, Jack Nicholson, Michael Keaton, Chuck Norris, Kenny G, and Tupac Shakur. I did have to tell Tupac that each member of his crew needed a ticket, so about six were turned away. There were a few not-so-nice, but I don't want to mention any names, although one guy hit a ton of home runs for the San Francisco Giants during the steroid era in baseball. Over the nearly ten years that I worked these fights, there were several funny cool, and some strange things that happened. Once I had a customer come up to me, kind of early on, before a lot of the fans were there, and he said, hey man, there's a guy in my seat, and I can't get him to move. So I said, I'll help you out, and as I approached the guy, I could tell right away that it was Mr. T from the A-Team, you know, the TV show, and he was also Clubber Lang in Rocky Three. I said in a nice conversational voice, hey Mr. T, this gentleman says you're in his seat. I'm not moving, he says, staring forward with his arms crossed. So I say, can I just see your ticket and we can get things cleared up? I'm not moving, he says again. So I say, well, this gentleman has a ticket for this seat, so could you please come with me and I'll take you to my supervisor and we'll probably get you even a better seat. Again, he says, I'm not moving. I turn to the guy and I say, he's not moving. Let's go have you talk to my supervisor. On November 6, 1993, Riddick Bowe and Evander Holyfield were fighting when a fan circled above the outdoor boxing ring at Caesars Palace and then crashed into the ring in the seventh round. Too bad for him, he landed right near Nation of Islam leader Louis Farrakhan, and Farrakhan's security force beat the shit out of him with their fists and those old brick cell phones of the day. I'll end this trip down memory lane with really probably my favorite experience of my boxing security career. At the 1995 Bo Holyfield Championship fight, my supervisor came to me and asked me to guard Charles Barkley for the evening. I was to keep autograph seekers and maybe those wanting to get a picture away from Barkley so he could enjoy the fight. So I sat right next to him for over an hour and we talked and laughed and he asked how, you know, I was doing, what I did for work, how I came to become a security guard. I should say this too, that Every person that came up and asked for an autograph or a picture, Charles obliged. And he just told me, hey, Larry, don't worry about it. I don't mind doing this. Now, this was November of 95, and he was a member of the Phoenix Suns. And he says, hey, do you ever go to our games? I said, dude, I can't get a ticket. Sold out every game. All right, give me a pen. He writes down this guy's name. He said, call this guy, and he's going to take care of you and your wife. After the fight, he says, Larry, can you escort me through the casino and get me out to the front where the limos are? Of course, we're really not supposed to do that, but hey, what are they going to do? Let me go. So yeah, I go, sure, let's do it. 
we walked all the way through, stopped along the way, talking to different people. Well, he did. I was just standing there. But I told Judy, I must be in a thousand people's pictures, just maybe the top of my head when they were trying to shoot a picture of Charles. But fun experience for sure. So now I'm going to end this podcast with a few songs that I really enjoy. Beach in Hawaii by Ziggy Marley, Better Together by Oahu's Jack Johnson, and Deep Water by Landon McNamara. I'm going to play these songs in succession. So mahalo for taking the time to listen to Nobody Knows Your Story, and please tune in next Wednesday for the life story of Chuck Hagen. Aloha. On the beach in Hawaii
combination of words I could put on the back of a postcard. No song that I could sing, but I can try for your heart. Our dreams, and they are made out of real things, like a shoebox of photographs with sepia tone loving. Love is the answer, at least for most of the questions of my heart. Like why are we here and where do we go? And how come we're so hard? It's not always easy, and sometimes life can be deceiving. I'll tell you one thing: it's always better when we're together. It's better when we're together. Yeah, we'll look at them stars when we're together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Find their way into my dreams tonight, but I know that they'll be gone when the morning light sings or brings new things. For tomorrow night, you see that they'll be gone too. Too many things I have to do, but if all of these dreams might find their way into my day-to-day -day scene, I'd be under the impression I was somewhere in between, with only two, just me and you. Not so many things we got to do. What places we got to be? We'll sit beneath the mango tree now. Yes, always better when we're together. Mmm, we're somewhere in between together. Well, it's always better when we're together. Yeah, it's always better when we're together. Cause you know 
what's new.